I'd like for you to find two places in your Bible, Acts chapter 4 and then uh, Philippians chapter 2. Acts chapter 4, we'll read first and then we'll turn over and read out of Philippians chapter number 2. Today was uh, going to be the day that we revealed the theme for this year. <clears throat> and uh, so that's what I was studying on this past week as I was down in Ash Grove preaching. And uh, as we continue to get calls and texts of families that are down, families that are sick, and uh, realizing that a lot of our folks would be out today, I uh, opted to wait, and we're going to wait, and I'm actually going to do that the very last Sunday of this month, just give everybody kind of a chance to heal up and get back in the groove and all. And so with that, uh, I came to the study yesterday asking God exactly what to do this morning then for a message. And uh, I told Sunday school class this morning, I've, I'm, I'm going to preach this and I've never done anything, I've never preached anything like this before. So I'm hoping it works. <laughs> I'm hoping it works. And uh, so you pray for me, all right? And so, I mean, uh, I just want you to get your money's worth, you know? I mean, just doing my best with all of that. I, I, I think that God has something for us this morning. Uh, and it'll be, it'll be different. And, and if it works, we might do it again sometime. So anyway, Acts chapter number 4, look down at verse number 12. <clears throat> Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And then Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter number 2. And look to verse number 9, please. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, we're going to look at a hymn this morning. A hymn that demands worship. And we sang it. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Great power in Jesus' name. And uh, you stick with me and we'll try to make some sense out of all this. All right, let's pray. And we'll get started. <clears throat> Father, we're trusting you. We're thankful for you. And uh, we... One last time, just ask for your guidance and, and Lord, your help in presenting this uh, the way that you would have it done, that it would bring honor and glory to you and your precious Son. And Lord, that uh, you just give us clarity of thought and speech and uh, that you'd open the hearts of the listeners and that uh, the end result is that you would be honored and glorified for sure. Um, and if there's someone here this morning that does not know for sure that they've truly trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. 
that they've trusted in him. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to their heart about that, and, uh, as only you can, and that you would draw them to yourself, that they may come to know Christ as their Savior before it's eternally too late. We just pray for your help, and we're trusting you again for these things, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. I'm thankful for the old hymns. I'm thankful for them. I mean, uh, they were written by, apparently written by men and women that had a walk with God and, and loved the Lord. And I'm thankful for the old hymns that magnify God. I'm very thankful for that. And we know that's why they were written, to magnify, to praise, to worship the Lord. Some were written to give the message of salvation or encourage Christian living. Uh, the particular hymn that we're going to look at, it gives praise and worship uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. You're very thankful I'm not going to sing it to you. I'm going to read it to you. Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Sinners who love can ne'er forget the wormwood and the gall. Go spread your trophies at his feet and crown him Lord at all. Now, before you begin to think here, I'll explain this in a minute. It's a verse that's no longer in our songbooks, but I, I felt like it needed to be in this message. Anyway, uh, verse 3, Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransomed from the fall, hail him who saves you by his grace, and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Again, you may be scratching your head as I read that one stanza. The hymn actually was written with eight stanzas. And the most recent hymn books, as in our, our, in our hymn book, um, has four there's a few old ones. I've got a lot of hymnals in my collection that have six, but hardly any anymore have, have all eight. And again, I included a stanza that's not in our songbook because I believe it brings out a very significant point. Uh, the writer, Edward Perronet, I'm hoping I'm saying his name correctly, uh, the one that wrote this wonderful hymn was not one to put up with certain church issues. Uh, he became a minister in the Anglican church for some time and, and uh, then became fed up with what he felt was, uh, uh, what, what he said was church nonsense. And so he became a Methodist and he joined up with the Wesleys. Uh, as a Methodist, he now faced persecution. And John Wesley even said this, quote, Edward, Pan, Edward Perronet was thrown down and rolled in the mud and the mire. So apparently he was persecuted very badly for just taking a stand, doing what was right. And the eight verses that uh, Perronet wrote had been called the coronation hymn, uh, the clear purpose being to affirm the kingship of Christ. And much of the imagery is drawn from the book of the Revelation, the morning stars, martyrs calling from the altar, and from the lamentations of uh, Jeremiah, the wormwood and the gall that comes from there. Uh, there was a man by the name of uh, John Rapon. He was, uh, uh, lived from 1751 to 1836, and he was a Baptist preacher from London. 
And he wrote a, a book uh, entitled A Selection of Hymns from the Best Authors, put together hymns back in 1787, and he deleted verse 2, and he changed the wording in the 8th verse, and he added the new final verse. Anyway, we're going to look at the ones that I, that I did read to you this morning. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth a royal diadem, and crown him Lord of all. This seems to be the announcement uh, uh, coming from uh, the universe, alerting every creature that Jesus Christ is entering into our presence. We know that when the president, of, the president of the United States of America enters into the Chamber of Congress to deliver the State of Union Address, the Sergeant Arms at that time announces, Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America, and then gives his title and name of the certain standing president. Uh, all hail the power of Jesus' name. All hail. This has to do with getting the attention of someone uh, who is quite a distance away. It's a way of alerting someone for a specific purpose. It's calling out someone to give them information. It's also a mean of, of saluting. The announcer is making an announcement to all of the universe. All hail or everyone pay attention. And then comes the announcement. The power of Jesus' name. Uh, the name Jesus carries all power. We know that. Come on, Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now think of all the power that could be mustered up here on the earth. If we took all the jet airplanes in the world and could capture all the power of all those jet engines, and then we combine that with all the hydroelectric motors that are used to generate all the electricity uh, around the world, all the power generated from falling water from Niagara Falls, uh, harnessed and then put to work with that. And we think about all the freight trains that are in the world and all the engines there and the power that they come up with and the wind turbines and all the 18-wheeler trucks that are in the world. And if we took all the power used in all these things and captured them into one source of power, it would not begin to equal the power that has been given to Jesus Christ. I mean, not even close. Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. That's speaking of worshiping the King of heaven, the mighty powerful one. The angels fall as his name is mentioned. The, the angels know their assignment. They are to serve and to worship him. And that tells us of the position of worship in heaven laying out prostrate. When the name of Jesus is mentioned and, and the angels fall prostrate, and worship him. Bring forth the royal diadem. In uh, that word diadem in the modern usage means the mark or badge of royalty worn on the head, a crown, and figuratively an empire, supreme power, a distinguished uh, 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 or principal ornament. Over in Isaiah chapter 28, verse number 5, it speaks of the diadem of beauty. So bring forth this royal diadem. That would suggest that it is to be brought by another, uh, not the one to who it was intended to, to, to wear it. it. It doesn't say who brings it, only that it is brought to the person of Jesus Christ in heaven. For you and I, listen now, for you and I, the diadem would be our surrendered life and our surrendered will that is brought to him and placed under his control and under his lordship. 
I was talking to someone this past week and, and we were talking about our Christian lives. And uh, I mentioned to him that I've been saved for 37 years, but truly uh, it took about five years before I, uh, before I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because it's one thing to be saved by the grace of God. But there's another thing when we finally surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That we would, that we would believe and obey what God has for us. Come on, because we can live in a saved condition, can't we? Without being fully surrendered to God. Without being fully uh, 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 willing to do whatever that He would have us to do. When we come and we fall prostrate at His feet, we're yielding ourselves to Him in complete surrender. We're saying to Him then, I am your servant I am at your command. I no longer control my life. I have transferred my control to God. I'm your servant and you are my master. I promise you, no one's ever regretted doing that. That has done it. Because only God knows how to make life work. The way he intended for it to work. When the Roman army captured another nation that would bring the king or emperor to Rome, they'd dress him up in kingly garments and then they'd present him to Caesar. And the captured king would then lay prostrate before Caesar and he would place his crown at the feet of Caesar and he would say, I am king no longer of anything. You are now my master. And that's what this phrase is suggesting to you and me. That we would finally just make him our master. That he would be our Lord. Now he's always Lord. But we have to make him our Lord. We have to surrender to that. Scripture tell, will tell us that not only the royal diadem to give to him. But everything is to be presented to the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That would be bringing forth the royal diadem to do what these scriptures have just said and crown him Lord of all. See, once this presentation is made to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not ours to take up again. Uh, no, we shouldn't take it up again. Well, we shouldn't take it back. It belongs to him. And, and, and he is to keep it for his benefit. That means that we crown him Lord of our life in every form and fashion. Think about it. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. In all things. That's not all things in the world except your life. That's all things that he would have preeminence. Lord of all. Uh, have you done that? Have you given him lordship of all that you are and all that you have? I mean, is he preeminent in everything? Uh, he is to be preeminent in every matter in this church. He has been given that. Has he been really given that position? I mean, can we say that all matters of the church function, uh, in all matters of our church function, that Jesus Christ is preeminent? We want that. 
In the church music, is he preeminent? We want that. Come on, when we sing hymns, are we singing them to God in worship? Because to sing them in any other manner would just be wrong. Come on, we sing our songs unto him. We're not trying to impress our neighbor. Thank God for that. We're not trying to impress our neighbor. We are singing songs unto him. It is praise unto him. The church program, is he preeminent in all we doing? Are, are, are we doing church for him? Are we doing church for ourselves? Are we just trying to have some program so we can please ourselves? Are we trying to do things in such a way that's going to be pleasing to him? And it should be pleasing unto him. The church pre preaching, is he preeminent in the preaching that goes on here? I, I mean, and, and, and truly, the ones that are listening, are, are you giving the preaching service the attention it demands? We need to come to the house of God prepared for what God has for us. Lord, please speak to my part my heart. Please help me to hear something today that's going to help me to draw closer to you and to overcome the things in my life that so easily beset me. I mean, we need to give that. The church people, the people of the church, is he preeminent? I mean, do we live as though he is our master? Because we should. Not just Sunday, not just the times that we come to church. We should live that way all the time. Every day, 24-7, doing our best to live the way that he would have us to live. And then stanza two, this unfamiliar stanza, it says this, Sinners who love can ne'er forget the wormwood and the gall. Go spread your trophies at his feet and crown him Lord of all. I, I, I needed to bring this out because this stanza has great significance for every born again believer. So even though it's not in our songbook, I, I wanted to bring it. He, it says this, sinners who love can never forget. Um, this represents the fact that all the redeemed souls, all those that have been saved, can never forget what the Lord has done for us. I'm telling you, isn't it amazing that he paid the price that he did? Isn't it amazing that he would save someone? I'll just speak for myself, that he would save someone like me. I still can't believe it day after day, week after week, month after month that he would save someone like me. How could anyone ever forget the blessed redemption that was granted us as we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? I'll never forget that morning that Jesus Christ came into my heart and cleansed me from my sin and wrote my name in heaven. What a morning that, that, that was in April 1984. I knelt there by my coffee table and I asked him to forgive my sin and to save my soul and he did right there. I became his child and will forevermore be his child. I could never forget that experience and I rehearse it nearly daily that God would save me I, I go back to that spot in my mind's eye I don't know how I could ever forget the day that I met Jesus Christ as my personal savior but that's not all I can't forget because it talks about the wormwood and the gall well what in the world is that all about well that speaks of the condition and the result of my sin. My sin had made me bitter and unloving and uncaring and unconcerned about anything but myself. If I can say it this way, I had the taste of wormwood and the bitterness of gall in my life and I was lost and undone. I needed that which only the Lord Jesus Christ could do. 
I realized I was lost and I also realized that the wages of sin was death and I was on my way to hell at a high rate of speed. But that morning, Jesus Christ changed my life. And I now am his and he is mine. I am his child and he is my father. The, the, the wormwood and the gall was turned into blessings that can only come from knowing him personally. Realizing what he has done for me makes it easy to do what the next line says, which is this, and crown him Lord of all. Go spread your trophies at his feet and crown him Lord of all. One of these days, we will lay our crowns and our rewards at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, just as the captured king did in Rome. We'll do that. One of these days, we'll get to do that. And we'll do that as a token of our love for him. And that's why it's important to serve him today. Not, not just because of duty, but because of love. Because we love him because he first loved us we would be willing to serve him. It's not so hard to praise him when you think of all that he has done for us. Then stanza three. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransom from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Our first thought of that might be that he's talking about the Jewish people only, but the gospel is to be taken to all the people in every nation which would include any and all people of the earth. It's to be taken to everyone. The second line would better identify who is the recipient of the this, of, of this statement. Ye ransomed from the fall. Well, preacher, who's that talking about? All of humanity. All of humanity. Wait a minute, talk about the ransom from the fall. All of humanity, Yes. Wait a minute, so everybody's safe? No, 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 follow this, follow this. Every person's ransom has been paid. Every person's ransom's already been paid. Was paid on the cross of Calvary. With the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The ransom has been paid. But everyone may not benefit from the paid ransom because they do not believe the gospel. But the ransom has been paid nevertheless. We need to each understand that our ransom has been paid. And we have been set free through the payment he made. When we trust Jesus Christ as our personal savior. Every person that goes to hell and there will be millions and millions there will go there having had their sins paid for, but not receiving the gift of forgiveness and eternal life that was offered. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a gift that's offered to all of mankind. God does not pick and choose who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. The ransom was paid for all of mankind. But we have to come to a place where we receive it. Where we where we take advantage of the ransom that was paid. There's a, there's a poem that says this, Jesus, all our ransom paid, all thy Father's will obeyed. By thy sufferings perfect made, at Calvary all our sins were laid. 
And then there's this familiar song, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He did. He did. It says, hail him who saves you by his grace. Salute him who has saved you. Give honor to him. And we honor Him by praising Him, by thanking Him often publicly for saving us. We honor Him by not shaming Him in public, by professing to be a Christian and acting in another way. Uh, By not shaming Him with our lifestyle. We honor Him by telling others how much He means to us. Because of what He has done for us. You honor Him by living for Him. You honor Him by giving your best for Him. Stanza 4. says this, Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to Him all majesty ascribe and crown Him Lord of all. So it says every kindred, every tribe refers to all that refers to all of the earth's people. Well, if everybody could just do that. No, if everybody would believe the gospel. The accomplishment of that would solve every political and moral and domestic problem on this earth today. Of course, the terrestrial ball is talking about this ball of earth, the globe, the planet earth. And you think about it. If that would be accomplished, there'd be no problem in Iraq nor any of the Arabic nations. There wouldn't be any problem in politics. Because every person on earth would be giving glory to God. Jehovah God. The Lord God of heaven. The God who created everything. To all majesty ascribe. That word majesty means greatness of appearance, dignity, grandeur, dignity or uh, of aspect or manner, the quality or state of a person or thing which inspires awe or reverence in the beholder, applied with peculiar propriety to God and his works. And we always think of a king or royalty when we uh, are applying majesty. Psalm 93.1 says this, Jehovah reigneth, he is clothed with majesty. Psalm 29.1 says this, the voice of Jehovah is full of majesty. It's applied to dignity, to pomp and splendor of earthly princes. To him all majesty ascribe. Ascribe means to give to God the majestic honor, the praise and authority he rightly deserves. And that can only be done through grace and love. Observing the law will not render the majestic ascription that's demanded. What do you mean, preacher? Stay with me. That's why those who live their lives by the law don't do much worship.
It takes the knowledge of grace to really know when and how to worship. I try. I want to worship the Lord because of the amazing grace He has shown me. I'm saved by His grace. I have been changed by His grace. The Pharisees never worshipped God. The Pharisees worshipped the law. It was all about the law. The keeping of the law. And while, there's, while there is a lot in here that gives us a, a direction on how we are to live, my desire is to live the life that God has because of the grace that He has shown me. Not because he is some kind of a, a demanding God that, that, that isn't even going to love us if we don't do what he says. God always loves us. There's a lot of saved folks that do that today. Their satisfaction comes from keeping the law rather than because of grace. I know I couldn't keep the law well enough to satisfy God. And because of that, Christ came and through His death, He offered me grace. And it is grace that saves completely and totally. For by grace are you saved through faith. And there are those that that, 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 that uh, uh, today are saved by grace, but they still live their life by the law rather than because of their gratefulness to the Lord. I'm telling you, God's been so good to us. We ought to live our life for Him because of His love and grace for us. Amen. There are times that His love for me is what keeps me going. When we really understand grace, then it's easy to worship Him with all of His majesty. And, and then this last stanza, it's one of my very favorites. It says, Oh, that yonder, oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at His feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown Him Lord of all. Yonder sacred throng. All of heaven's population is not there yet. Why do you know that? Because I'm not there yet. And I know I get to go there one of these days. Those of us who are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up together with them and then we'll forever and ever praise and sing the everlasting song of praise and glory given to His holy name. Every person that has died in Christ is in heaven waiting for us to get there. Then we can join in with that sacred throng singing praises and worship to His holy name. All of the saints of past generations are in heaven this very moment singing praises to Him. That we may at His feet, that we at His feet may fall.
I've said a lot of times over the years, I can't wait to see Jesus face to face. I long for it sometimes. He is up there. And really can't wait to see him face to face. But I just want to hug his feet. Because I know that I'm not going to feel worthy to stand before him. Just think about the day when, when you, a, a ransomed child of God, can fall prostrate before him and then get up and join in that everlasting song. Man, oh man, oh man. You know, if we would uh, take time to uh, meditate on that more throughout our week, we could probably live a more joy-filled life on this earth. We live in a time when bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news just comes across the airwaves, whether through internet or whatever the case may be. Mercy sakes alive. We that know the Lord Jesus Christ will one day be in His presence forever and ever singing songs former uh, remembrance of former things wiped away and all we'll know is the beauty, glory, and splendor of heaven and Him. And it is going to be a wonderful time. (laughs) When we join those that have gone before us, Miss Donna, like your mother who recently passed. I got news this morning that Brother Rex Fuller went to be with the Lord. Some of you know him. Just a godly, godly man. And had great influence on our lives throughout the years. I look forward to seeing him again. My mom and my dad. Many others that have gone on. But I look forward to seeing Jesus most of all. Yeah. There's going to be songs... That we've never sung before. I can't wait. It's going to be a glorious thing. And crown Him Lord of all. When it's all over on earth and the saints are gathered in heaven, we may hear a voice say, All hell! And there might be a pause, and then a voice continues to say, The Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Man, oh man. There won't be any applause like there is in the Chamber of Commerce. There won't be any applause. No, 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 no. All conversation is going to cease. And then Philippians chapter 2, where we read... Verses 9 through 11 is going to take place. Wherefore God hath also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Then we that are redeemed will take our rightful place around the throne of God. 
and we will sing praises forever and ever to his greatness and glory. I don't know who will be heaven's choir leader. I don't know if they're taking applications, Bronner, wherever you might be. But it will be the greatest choir ever assembled. Singing the greatest songs of praise ever sung. Will you be there? It's important that we know that. No, no, that we know that now. And we can know that now. And if you don't have assurance, I, you can. We'd be, we'd be happy to show you that. But for those of us that know we'll be there, are we living for Him now? Can we sing praises such as these from our heart now? It's important that we can. Because it will help us with the rest of our Christian walk in life when we can sing praises unto Him, not just out of, off of the songbook page, but from the heart. That it's coming from the heart. Maybe we just need to take some time to make sure our hearts are where they need to be this morning. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, we'd love to take a Bible and take you aside and show you how you can get that all settled for sure. If you do know Christ as your personal Savior, how's your heart today? Are you willing to praise Him? No. Are you able to praise Him throughout the week? I mean, not just standing in a church service. And when you stand in a church service and praise Him, does it come from here? We serve a great God. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed for a moment. Thank you for that. There could be someone in here this morning that would say, Pastor Marshall, I, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I don't know for sure if I died that I would go to heaven. I just don't know. I don't have that settled in my heart. Would you please just remember me in prayer? Well, I'd like to do that if you'd allow me to. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at? I'll acknowledge it. We'll move on. I'm not going to point you out. I'd really like to pray for you. You're here like that this morning. You're, you, just, you, just not, you do not have the assurance that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Would you, allow, would you allow me to pray for you? Would you do that? Just slip your hand up. Yep. Yep. Would you be honest with yourself and with God this morning? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Preacher, I know for sure that I'm saved, but I'm telling you, my praise, well, it's been lacking. It's just kind of been same old, same old. 
doesn't really mean a whole lot to me anymore. My praise throughout the week sure hasn't been what it needs to be. Preacher, would you just pray with me that, uh, that God will reignite my flame. My love for Him will be what it needs to be. My life for Him will be what it needs to be. Would you let me pray with you? Just be honest. Preacher, I need some help from the Lord in that area. Would you just slip your hand up where you're at and let me pray for you. God bless your heart. God bless your honesty there and there and there and across there. Appreciate that very much. You may put your hands down. You didn't raise your hand before, but you knew you needed to. Preacher, you out pray for me. I know my, I know my life isn't where it needs to be. My heart's not where it needs to be. The praise for Him is not where it needs to be. Please pray for me. Others, before we move on, right there. God bless your heart. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all stand to our feet with our heads bowed. Father, I thank you for the ones that have already made their way to the altar. And I thank you, Lord, for the ones that, uh, that are just honest with you and honest with themselves. And I lift them up to you. Lord, we, as we start this new year, heavens, we need you so badly. And we need you to be the Lord of all of our life, everything that we have. And we need to be willing to praise you from our heart. Lord, you deserve it without a doubt. And Father, I just, I, I pray that we'll all be what we need to be in that area. I pray for those that lifted their hand, that you would help them. And they might even come this morning, take a minute, bow a knee to you. And Lord, I pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their Savior. Most important decision that we'll ever make is trusting Christ before it's too late, before we leave this world. And so I pray for them that you would continue to deal with them, deal with their heart, convince them it's their greatest need, convict them, Lord, their need of Jesus Christ. And Father, we'd, we, we would just love to be able to have a chance to talk with them about that very thing as you, uh, as you would see fit to arrange that. Lord, bless this time of invitation. Again, bless those that have already made their way to the altar. Uh, bless the next few minutes, we pray. Uh, just help us, we ask. In Jesus' powerful name, Amen and amen. Piano's going to play. Some are at the altar. Do you need to come this morning? Do you need to come to spend a minute with God? Is your heart where it needs to be? Is your life where it needs to be? When you sing a song such as that, can you sing it in all honesty? That you're ready to stand in His presence and sing unto Him? will not take long, but you know you need to come. Just take a moment. Let God have His way. You don't know Christ as your Savior. If you'd come, we have someone be happy to take you aside. Take a Bible and show you how you can have that settled also. Whatever God would have you to do.